and forty. Hey, we are back for another look back at the week of what has been going on in our house hunting expedition. Uh, as always, my name is Nicholas, and I am here with my wife Laura. Hi, and what was just going on? I hit the table once again. What was just going on is that we had a the theme song still makes me giggle every time. Oh, good. B, you're a little excited about the mic check. Yeah, the mic check is one of the few moments during the week that I just get to have fun. Oh. Uh, this is the story of our... <laughs> that <laughs> <This> was is... <laughs> dark start to our week. <laughs> that escalated quickly. Uh, this is the story of our first ever foray into home ownership. Uh, we are first-time home buyers, and we are doing this in our midlife, uh, i.e. our 40s. And it's been a heck of a ride, and it's been a fun little experience, or I'd say experiment, I should say, to be documenting this week to week because it is a real roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And this is the first week of, we can call this the first week of the Horseshoe House. Yeah. What happened last week was after much searching and a few false starts, we finally kind of got our hooks into a home, and this one is a single family home in the neighborhood that we were really hoping to live in and not expecting to. Um, And it's right at the edge, uh, top edge of our price range. And it has a horseshoe pit in the backyard, among other things. There has been a lot of uh, golf practice back there. There's a, you know, makeshift weight room back there. There's a guest house a storage shed and a detached garage so it's kind of like a little compound of a of a lot which is really Mm -hmm. fun for us and we should just clarify by guest house that really we mean guest shed it's a guest house it's it's fully plumbed it's a studio apartment yeah it's just it's you know it's small there's concrete in the tower shower it's shabby chic (laughs) well that's what i keep telling you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it is a it is a guest house. It isn't a. Sh- okay. I wouldn't call it. I, I mean, I guess the only reason why I would I would consider I wouldn't bat an eye at calling it a guest house is that it does have a bathroom and a sink. It's true. Um, you know, a little mini kitchen. Yeah. It's got a little range in there and a mini fridge. Uh, so it's need. it's a pretty nice little space. It just needs a little sprucing up. It's mm-hmm. very fratty right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, this place. Got about seven offers on it. We went back and forth for about a week. That was the story of last week. And last week ended with us getting in an acceptance shortly before recording. So now all of that has been able to sink in and the starting pistol went off. So fast. That is a sprint to the finish. Wherever the finish line is, I don't even know. I don't think we see it yet, but it is a sprint. We are sprinting every minute of every day. So part of the reason why that is, is because in order to make our attract our, our offer more attractive is you waive a whole bunch of contingencies. And the strategy is that you waive all but one contingency in, in your offer. The strategy is you bend over and you say, hmm, 
what else do you want to put up there? That is <laughs> Ew, the strategy. Wow. It's true. No, it's true. Yes. In order to make an attractive offer in this market, you just give up a whole bunch. As our realtor told us, there are no deals to be had. It is a seller's okay. market that has been established. Um, and this strategy in putting our offer together was basically to make it as attractive to the seller as possible. And part of that is waiving a bunch of contingencies. Mm -hmm. If you don't know, when you make an offer on a house, there are contingencies for getting your loan, contingencies for um, inspections, contingencies for appraisal. And all of those contingencies basically mean that the sale could go bust if one of those doesn't go the way the buyer wants. There's still an out. There's an out for all of those things. Yeah, it's just a washed hands, walk away, no hard feelings. That's all part of the deal. No commitment, right. And so what we did, and I think what has been explained mm -hmm. to us is very common, uh, in this market anyway, and during these times, is to pretty much wave almost all of your contingencies with the hope that you get everything done in that short contingency window for whatever it is. Uh, and, and you can kind of check all those other boxes. And then if it doesn't go the way you want, you can just kind of blame it on that one contingency that you left the door open for. Mm -hmm. And so that period of time was 10 days. So there was a lot that needed to be done in 10 days. And that included two weekends. So a lot of these things don't happen on weekends. So in our 10-day count, we had four days of weekend to deal with. Correct. The escrow time period uh, waits for no man. <laughs> no. And weekends are not a thing. So but they're they just days, close. calendar yeah. days. No, yeah. not business days, even no. though the people you're working with only, only operate on, on business, business days. days. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes complete sense. Yep. Uh, it's ruthless. Like it's, it, I wouldn't say ruthless, but it's, it is... Um, cutthroat in that you do not get any breaks. Mm -mm. So uh, what we basically had to do this week was at that starting pistol on Friday, just start hit the ground running on spending money. If, if you want to boil it down as we spent a lot of money in one week just to make sure that this was going to work. Um, I uh, Venmoed more money this <laughs> week than I think I've ever actually Venmoed. Because all, all the... True. All the vendors who show up to the house to do the various inspections or, you know, fix things that may be a bigger problem, uh, all of them do Venmo and you Venmo them hundreds of dollars. It's a lot like getting married. When you're doing a wedding, everything costs a whole bunch of money. Buying a house, same thing. Everything is like, you know. Oh, just keep shelling it out. Yeah, right. just start at like 400 and go up mm -hmm. from there. Everything. Come out to the place. 400 bucks. Okay. <laughs> here's the venmo it's so easy just as scan my thing and give me the money standing there yeah right um so that is a, that is kind of a cool thing to know is you know all of these folks are very uh plugged in and everything is done via venmo mm -hmm. um all you do is just scan their little thing a lot of times it'll have you put in their last few digits to their phone number to verify which is nice because you don't want to be venmoing that much money to the wrong, you know, person yeah. by one digit. Um, if you're not scanning the QR code, anyway. Um, and I think so, you had to do one Zelle actually too. I'm ready for anything. Yeah, we're ready. All platforms to pay people. We're ready. <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, one thing that, that did happen towards the beginning of the week, and it was really the first inspection, which was a free inspection, um, was the termite inspection. And when we went for the termite inspection, it was the first time the boys saw the house. This was the only house we saw over Out the of, course what, of... 30 houses? 35? I don't know. We did 30. not see. 35 I think we saw houses. thirty houses. No, we didn't I'm see. I'm pretty that. sure we did. <laughs> I think it was closer to maybe high teens, twenty. No, yeah, it was d- way over twenty for sure. Because we saw like ten in a weekend that second weekend. No, we're gonna go back and count. We'll come back to you next week. Yeah, we should gamble on that this yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. At any rate, this was the only one the boys did not see. So when we went to the termite inspection, which you don't need to go to apparently, but we wanted the boys to see it, uh, they got to look around. And one of their reactions was, it seems kind of (laughs) small. Oh, no. We failed as human beings and parents already. I think they really like it. The outdoor space is nice. And I think the stuff, the intangible stuff like that, you know, that space that's your own to do things outside will pay dividends over time that they don't really, really see right now. Um, Because what we're doing is we're moving from a townhouse to a single family home that does have a backyard and a front yard and a driveway. And like, these are all things that people are used to. We're not used to those things. Mm -hmm. Uh, The way we've been living in the city all these years has been an apartment dwelling. This is the first time, if this all happens, uh, the first time either of us will live in a place without sharing a wall with somebody. And I think something like that for the boys is psychologically and physically beneficial, I think, over time. Not that it's bad to live in a townhouse, but I think having that open space outside is going to make a difference for them. Agreed. They're, by the way, six and nine. They just turned six and nine. So the kind of ability to run around outside is big. But I mean, to their credit, they just they're happy where they are. They don't care. You know, that's the way kids are in general. Yeah. 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 So they'll be happy in the new place, too. But they don't have any opinion on needing to move because everything's good now to them. Of course. They've never known any different. So that's, I mean, I think that's a good thing. But we have a, like in our backyard, if you open our garage, there's a sort of, I don't know, what do you call this thing? It's like a driveway to the garages that runs behind. It's like an alley kind of, but just for the people that live here. Yeah. And there's only, how many people go by us this way? Three. Uh Uh-huh. There are three houses. It's the busiest road in Redondo Beach. Every time we're out there, 20 cars are pulling in and out. There's only three houses that have to go through there. It's amazing. It's astounding, really. All the time. The traffic. But we, we take that over. So that is what we use as our backyard, and it's concrete. But we have big wheels and scooters and a little trampoline, and we pull all these things out, and they make obstacle courses, and then the cars need to pull out, and we have to game off and pull it all to the side and whatever. But point being, like that's what they've been accustomed to there is some sort of outdoor space but they have no concept of what it is to have your own yard yet so i think that'll right. be really nice agreed and also you know this house as we've mentioned before is a little funky and there is an inexplicable space uh that is 
accessible very easily through one of the bedrooms. And what it is is like kind of like an attic mm-hmm. in that it's got a sloped low ceiling, but it's got a big access point from the bedroom. Like it's but like in the middle of the wall. It's, it's a not a door. Space. It's a yeah. crawl space, but it's in the middle of the wall. And it's carpeted. Yeah. So you know they are using it for storage naturally it seems like something you would use for storage it's just odd that there's no door or anything it's you can just strange climb right into it Mm -hmm. but for little boys Mm -hmm. if we can manage to avoid putting storage in this strange space off of the one bedroom it it could be a dream come true you put you know some hanging lights in there and some ports abound pillows we're all excited yeah, bean bags, and that's mm-hmm. like a little reading nook and a fort place and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff you can do with that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that you even necessarily have to be little. I think over time, if there is like a bean bag or sitting video you, game room, something to sit yeah. on in there, yeah, it could right. be really cool. So that's kind of a little bonus space that's probably not counted I like in the square that you footage. Just said twinkly lights, by the way. I hadn't even thought about that in there. Yeah. Yes, that's happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be a little fort. Um, so the, uh, the boys seem to like it. Uh, it's funny to me how, you know, I don't know if it's really sinking in yet that we're going to full on move there. I think for the older one, obviously maybe the younger one at one point after going back and forth for the inspections is like, why do we keep going back to the same house? (sighs) That's the one we're going to move to maybe. Oh, well, that's the thing. It's not been very definitive up till now because we haven't said this is it and we're moving because we haven't felt that way. No, there's so many roadblocks mm-hmm. that you got to clear or hurdles, I so should we say. We have not said that expectation that that's our house purposely. And we've been I mean, it's it's so funny to me how keyed in the older one is like he knows all of these things and he knows too many things (laughs) he knows about the appraisals (laughs) and he knows about the rent back for the previous owners and he knows you know uh about you know what all these inspections mean and if the sewer's bad and like he's just been following along school today all worried about if the appraisal appraised we're like no no honey you don't have to worry about that (laughs) (laughs) we told you too much so but uh, but at the same time, though, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but for me, I'm not too worried about sharing those kind of things because I think they're important because, mm-hmm. you know, my family never bought a house because we moved so much. They, well, I take that back. They did, but I never lived in it. They just rented it out over the years. And then in the meantime, they just rented wherever they moved. So I was never part of really a home buying process. And by the time they did, I was a teenager and not interested at all. And so I think kind of walking him through the reality of this process is kind of like, you know, teaching your kid about voting or something or international travel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's to show them that these things are possible and that they're not easy and that there are a lot of factors. It's not like buying a car even. Yeah, and a lot of work goes into it and a lot of planning goes into it because they know we've been really busy with calls and paperwork and a lot of things through this whole process and that we've been you know really working towards it so that's important right the um the next so the termite inspection happened no real surprises every house in southern california has termites fyi this one has a little bit of termites not bad Uh, according to our realtor you should 
in this area, always tent a house that you buy because it needs to be done every 10 years anyway because every house has termites. So that wasn't too much of a surprise on the inspection front. The, you know, the, the inspection contingency was something that we had waived. So all these inspections were a really big deal. Um, because if something came our way that was unexpected, we were going to have to pull the plug rapidly and make a decision very quickly. And we didn't really have a number on what that was. Like if one of these inspectors says, oh, it's going to cost you 15 grand to fix that. We don't know if that's worth walking yeah, away or where, not. where was our line? We didn't set the, what the line was. It, and it was hard. I think it was just kind of the thing where you just know it if you hear it. Yeah. Anyway, I knew for me... All I needed to hear from the general inspector was there's a major problem. Mm-hmm. And that, that was really what I was bracing for yep. as far as being a deal breaker. So long story short, too late, uh, we um, were able to get an inspector re- really quickly by Monday. This, you know, the first day of this started on Friday. We got the accepted offer. Uh, by Monday, we, the inspector was there and it was raining that morning, which I thought was really great because if there's any leaks or anything, they'd be really apparent. He did not agree with you. He was not happy. Because he had to work in wet. the rain. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Nope. See those leaks, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would. Th- I don't understand that at all because I feel like if you're an inspector and you can see a leak, that's just like a I bonus. He, he did backpedal at the end and say, oh, yeah, yeah, it is. You know, sometimes you catch things that you wouldn't have otherwise, but. I didn't even he catch that us, at all. He let us know at first. He didn't love that it was raining on him when he was working. Oh, well. Yeah. Sorry. I was really happy that it was raining. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the uh, general inspector's there. The sewer inspector is there. And the chimney inspector is there. All at the same time. And really, the general inspector is the one. Um, turns out the chimney is going to need a whole lot of work if we want to make it uh, safe. I think it might have been a bit of a DIY job. Um, so pretty much the entire thing needs to be ripped out. The fireplace is fine, but the stovepipe and everything else needs to be completely replaced. So that's a pretty big job, but also something we can handle later. So it wasn't really a deal breaker. The sewer had some roots coming through it uh, on the way to the street and the sewer inspector wasn't sure 50 50 shot that could be cracks in your pipe or it could be something else we don't know until we hydro jet have you ever heard that before in your life nope i kind of am bummed that i missed it yeah you wanted to see what happened evidently it was very fast because we arrived I think you arrived at the scene like five minutes after he arrived and he was already done. So maybe I not think as he got impressive there early. as it sounds. I think he got there early. Okay. It's just a bunch of water really fast. Mm. So I didn't get even I didn't even get to see the contraption because by the time I got there he was running the camera through. But uh this was a fifty fifty shot. Uh if there is a problem with your sewer line, it could be tens of thousands of dollars to dig it up and replace it. They have to dig up your whole front yard, go down deep, replace your whole line to your house. That's a that's a big thing. So that was a little scary. But turns out good news. Yeah, it was totally fine. There was kind of a, a hole like a T type hole in that pipe at that spot. 
unlucky that there happened to be roots right above it. Otherwise it would be nothing. Um, and he said, it's totally fine. You just need to hydro jet every few years, uh, just to get rid of those roots every year. Isn't it? I think that's the really conservative side. Okay. When I was talking to the guy, he was kind of like, you know, oh, okay. every couple of years or so. So the good news is you'll get to see it again someday soon. Yeah, yeah. great. Um, I You could probably let it go for five years and not notice a difference. Okay. Um, anyway, Sweet. The, uh, the sewer line was, you know, potentially a problem. Turned out not to be. Then um, kind of to go backwards in time. The general inspector was the one that really could sink the ship. Uh, there's a lot of things structurally that the general inspector can come across that can really change the um, landscape financially. And we uh, met with him after going all over the house and taking pictures and writing up his report. Did that for a few hours. And what was your impression of our consultation with the general inspector? Um, well, this house was built in 1952, so we were expecting there would be things. And I think that's exactly what we got. We got things, but we got no big deal crazy things. Right. It was good news. Foundation's good. The roofs are good. There's some, like for the most part, you know, the, um, uh, um, Hang on. Uh, what do you call it when you try to divert water from any given Drainage. area? Drainage is good. The um, for one little area. Yeah, one spot. But but that's, I mean, his thing is like water is the, your biggest mm-hmm. enemy, naturally. And it didn't sound like there were too many mm-hmm. uh, water issues. And otherwise, plumbing's it's... good. Mm-hmm. Don't flood. Plumbing's good. Mm-hmm. We learned about the three Ps. <laughs> Pee, poop, and paper. Mm-hmm. There's there's one toilet that has more flushing power than the other two. Because it's gravity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other ones require a pump to move it because it's uphill. So, you know, we know where if you have some serious business, you got to go to the upstairs toilet. The boys will only be using the upstairs toilet. Exclusively. You would be amazed at how these boys can blow up a bathroom. <laughs> what comes out of their body is a con- considerable percentage of their body mass. Mm-hmm. Anyone with boys hopefully can understand your or our boys are freaks. One of the two. The uh, the general inspection was, in my opinion, a success. There's plenty of stuff to work on, uh, which was the next step. So the general inspector, sewer inspector, um, chimney inspector, termite inspector all go through and give you their stuff. And we're kind of keeping a tally of all of these, um, you know, quotes and bids and estimates and you know nothing's crazy but it all adds up and then you got to start prioritizing and so we had a contractor come over uh this i'm telling you this all happened so fast Mm -hmm. contractor comes over and looks at all the stuff the general inspector finds and sends you a quote which we're still waiting for the electrician though was a little more uh in my mind obviously there's some stuff that the contractor has to work on a lot of it is aesthetic and can happen over time the um like i said there's not much structural issues and that's what would really kind of mess your day up the electrical though in an old house like this needs to be upgraded quite a bit and so that bid just came in tonight you know not bad but worth it Mm -hmm. that's that's a must do there's no question that is safety hazard 
territory. So And it would be nice to have it upgraded and cleaned yeah. up. Like it's all very, you know, very Chevy just Chase been, and it's Christmas very, vacation. Yeah, it's just like stuff has been plugged into stuff and on top of other stuff and doubled maxing out the right. electronic boards and I don't even know what I'm saying, but there's well, too many wires for what exists. A basically. house that was built in nineteen fifty yeah. is not you know, rigged to handle a two thousand twenty mm-hmm. workload. Yeah. You know, we're we're an electronic society now. Yep. So um back in the day there was a lot more mechanical stuff. Obviously now everything is electronic. So in every room. Yeah. Yeah. So that so that, you know, no surprise. So that's gonna be number one must do before the move in happens. What what would you say? So we've got a lot of things tallying up and, you know, the necessary stuff is none of it is exciting. You have to spend money no, on it, but it sucks. doesn't. What upgrades excite you the most? What possible upgrades excite <laughs> you the most that you want to move? When we finally get to spend money for things that look good. Yeah. Um, that'll be so far away. But our bathroom, the master bath, is a little bit of a crazy mess. It is... There's an ice block window, number one, from the 1980s between the shower and the sinks. I've never understood those ice block things. No, what are they? I I can remember being like 10 years old and thinking they look tacky. Why were they so popular? No one knows. Unless you're in Miami. I think that's the only place where they still work. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a specific look, right? I, I don't know. Somehow they made their way into the bathroom. So those are there, and it's a weird, I don't know, closed off shower situation i mean the bathroom's not that big the master bath is not big no not compared to a lot of the houses we looked at for sure the tile is old and there's nothing in the house that's big no there's nothing in the house that's big right yeah this is a this is like a beach cottage Mm -hmm. yeah which is sweet that's fine um yeah the tile is a little crazy so you're saying redoing the tile is exciting to you Getting a nice shower. Yeah. I mean, there's cement in the shower right now. Mm-hmm. The countertop is really gross, old. Not gross, but just, you know, it's just old. It's like laminate or something. Yeah. There's cork on the floor in the master bedroom. It all need, it needs updating. That's it. Um. So that, the kitchen same kind of situation but better i mean it's you know it's not off-putting it's white it's spacious the tiles are cracked they're a little old-fashioned but it's functional it's fine but someday when we want to make it really ours we would do something nice to it that's that one's going to be a big project down the line i think yeah i think the kitchen is functional for now Mm -hmm. and if you listened last week we have a solution to get the washer dryer out of the kitchen and into a different room in the house are we sure about that by the way which part moving it into the family room i would love to move it out to the garage but nobody seems to be too excited about walking across walking outside and the joints do don't work i think the right problem. the easiest the easiest all-around solution is to move the washer dryer from right next to the refrigerator in the kitchen to kind of a dead space in the family room that's next to some stairs. It's like a half flight of stairs you have to go down. 
maybe even a quarter. Yeah, there's like four, what four steps. And so, so there's this like eight, mm. six or eight, six, maybe. No way. There's anyway. Another bet. Okay. Just a few stairs down, but then over to the left of the stairs, there is some dead space that you could put countertops. You could enclose them mm-hmm. to hide them. Uh, but at least that's, they currently have a piano there that's covered in garbage. You know, like you don't see that little part of the room, especially if you start cutting off the rest of the room with furniture and and things like that. I feel like you can make that feel like its own thing. And if you turn it into counter space, like the guy was saying, you can kind of make it seem like a wet bar yeah. or something or a bar. Um, and then your washer dryer hidden underneath. I think that is a good plan mm-hmm. personally. I don't know where else it would go if you don't want to go outside. There isn't anywhere else. That's the only option in the house for sure. Um, I just start thinking about when are we going to do laundry? Because we're always in the family room. We don't want that thing going in when we're hanging. Nighttime, I guess. Yeah, it would have to be at night. Because you're in the kitchen less than you're in the family room, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. That's probably the best plan because we also do need the extra kitchen storage, I think. I, I, yeah. I don't know why I can't do my laundry in the kitchen. <laughs> if we just, if we got a, you know, a nice plantation door that shut it off, would that make you feel better? No. No. But you can do your laundry in the family room, no problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a good point about the noise, though. I mean, it's something you'd have to be cognizant about. You know, there there is no good place for laundry. Yeah. And that's it needs to have its own room. I mean, that's the problem right. we're facing. There is no there is no location where it can fit. Unless you found a place to put it in that front room. You know, if you did the similar oh, kind of cabinetry in the front room. Interesting. Okay. That's more to explore. At any rate, pretty little as is, though. I don't know. Yeah, there, 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 there are a lot of, you know, not ideal qualities to this house that we're spending all of our life savings on, (laughs) which is unfortunate. But that's Southern California for you. A lot of, a lot of, actually, I would say that every home that we looked at, that we had a shot at, had some kind of weird, funky issue to it. Either it doesn't have a yard. Or it doesn't have a place to put a TV, or the bedrooms are too small, or there's no wall space, or whatever. There's always something you have to sacrifice. This house, you're sacrificing a laundry room and also just general space. Mm-hmm. It's all very small. Except for the outside feels nice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to spend all of my time outside. <laughs> yeah. I think. So, um, the family room feels spacious, like that's where there are higher ceilings, right? So, you get a more spacious sense, right? Which is where you're going to spend yeah. the majority of your time, right? The other thing that we kind of had to struggle with this week, on top of everything else, was the loan hmm, oh lender person, you know whatever you want to call them, the lender, I guess, proposed a new idea. There's something called an ARM. I don't even know what it stands for. Oh, but I do. It's an adjustable rate mortgage. 
and flashback to 1999 when the housing bust was going on. You mean 2008? Mm, yes. Do I? Mm-hmm. Okay. And everyone was getting foreclosed on and losing their houses because everyone had gotten into adjustable rate mortgage situations and suddenly their payments jacked up by three times and no, and they couldn't make ends meet anymore. So it looks good going in. And then when you meet your maker at year five or seven or whatever it is, nope. <laughs> well, so basically... The house wins and they take your house. The way it works is you, right now especially because the, you know, we're talking about early 2021 and the interest rates are very low. And if you get an adjustable rate mortgage right now for the first seven years, you have an insanely low rate. So your monthly payment is much less. And the advice is to refinance before those seven years are up. So rather than going into the industri- into the adjustable rate phase, you would refinance either at a new arm or another f- a fixed rate or something before that seven years is up. The lower monthly rate is pretty significant, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're talking about trying to save to make improvements on the house, which to me was what made it so appealing. Uh, and also, you know, kind of like people don't stay in the same jobs anymore. People don't live in the same homes anymore. The more people we were talking to about this home buying thing, everyone's on like a five-year plan. Mm-hmm. No one's living in a house for the rest of their lives. Right. They're living in a house for five years, selling it and getting a, Trading up or yeah, getting a better one. Or, yeah. This is a perfect house to trade up from if you wanted to because it's small and cramped. You know, if you wanted to get a bigger house or something like that, you probably could because it's in a desirable neighborhood. So it's still going to appreciate even though it's not in the ideal home. The... Adjustable rate mortgage um, to me was very appealing, but when we mentioned it to other people, they shuddered and shook and wrung their hands and gnashed their teeth about all of these horror stories about the ARM uh, program. So and initially, we were all in on this program. We wanted to save a little money monthly. Um, also weirdly you get a credit, you get a credit for your, uh, closing costs if you do certain percentages and you can buy your way down, which is basically you get a lower percentage for your rate, for your interest rate, but you spend more on your down payment and closing costs, not your down payment, your closing costs. So with the adjustable rate mortgage, you would get a little smaller credit, but you would save a lot every month on your monthly payment. With the 30-year fixed, you get a larger chunk taken out of your closing costs, but your rate is higher every month or your your, um, mortgage payment is higher every month. So ARM sounded really good. We went with it after talking to a few people that uh, about had a heart attack when we said that we would do that. We decided to switch back to the 30-year. So I'm curious now, it's been a couple of days since we did that. How are you feeling about that decision? I feel good about it. I feel good about it. It was always a gamble. I mean, I completely understood the risks of it and I calculated out every eventuality and I calculated out the worst case scenario. But here's where I came down is that even if it's not the worst case scenario, I think this is one of those situations where the house is set up to win, right? So 
I think the only way to play it is yes, if you're planning to move in the short term, we were, there's different arms. You can do a five year, a seven year, a 10 year. The sweet spot seems to be the seven year. That's where you get the most bang for your buck and the most benefit. And at the end of that, what happens is your, your monthly interest can jack way the heck up. There are limits. It's different than it used to be when the big bust happened. There are limits now to how high it can go. But we don't know. I mean, obviously, we don't know what's where the market's going to be in seven years. We don't know if we're going to move. We don't know if we're going to stay in this house forever. We, we don't know that. We aren't really planning this like we're going to stay there five years and sell it and move. That's not really what we're going into it saying. We could stay there for 20 years. So that in mind, it seems to me we are still at a historically low interest rate by far. And if we look over the lifetime of the loan, we stand to lose a lot more than we stand to gain over the long term if we don't lock in the safe thing now. Now we could not, that could not be true. We could, you know, in seven years, maybe the rates are amazing and we would have had some extra money in our pockets if we went this way. But I think the chances are that the house is going to win. And the more I was sitting with it, the more uncomfortable I was getting because we've been, I mean, we've been going through this process for a couple of months now. We talk with our lender a lot and it was a very weird, we were ready to sign the papers and do the deal and the whole thing. And sh- and all of a sudden it was like, oh, have we talked about arms? Here's what that looks like. Mm-hmm. So that, I don't know, that felt very, very, very calculated and smarmy. And that's how they get people because, of course, it looks good on paper for right now. But the truth of the matter is it's set up for them to win over the long term. Right. And unless we have intention, like if we were going into a condo situation where we knew we were going to sell it in five years and move on, I might have come out on the other side of it. But I think this house has potential for us to stay there for a long time. So I, I set us up in my mind for a long time plan. Right. So at the end of the day, over the course of your escrow period, you can change your mind Mm -hmm. once Mm -hmm. on what rate you're going to go with. Um, and what your closing costs are going to be. So we initially had her lock in the arm, and less than 24 hours later, we used our one opportunity to change, and we switched over to the 30-year fixed rate. So, yeah, long-term, I'm sure. Um, you know, it is it is one of those things where, you know, the tens of thousands of dollars that you s- save every year could be used towards improving the house, which then would make it more resellable in seven years. Uh, so that was kind of where my mind was. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I, what do, I don't know anything about finances. Yeah, it's, a tough, it's a tough one because it looks, if you are for sure on a short-term strategy, it makes sense, but we just don't know that that's us. That's, that's where I came down. We don't know. We don't know. There's too many variables. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. I I would be shocked if we're there for the rest of our lives personally. Mm-hmm. But 
Um, I think part of the appeal of it is that it will appreciate quickly, you know? Yeah, that's what we're hoping on. I, I don't know how it doesn't. I mean, the the location is too good. Yeah. You know, it's it's close enough to the beach. It's in a really good neighborhood. It's in a really good school district. And just the affluent nature of living by the beach in Los Angeles is not going to change, especially mm-hmm. not in the next 10, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where... You know, you either be conservative or you be risky. And, you know, obviously conservative is probably smarter. Um, and and more expensive monthly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you get to do less um, recessed lighting. Yep. So speaking of escrow, we went to the escrow office today. Yeah. Great let me, time. Let me ask in my best Forky asks a question voice. What is escrow? Still don't know what escrow is uh, if I were to define it. Um, I understand generally it's the period of time where you work out buying a house. I, I, I think it's funny that it doesn't exist for anything else that I know of. It must exist for other things. But, you know, escrow is um, the a set number of days in which the buyer and the seller go back and forth and decide whether or not the transaction will be completed to everyone's satisfaction. Um, and today, basically, the escrow officer... Mm-hmm. Officer? I think so. Had us sign a whole bunch of paperwork. She explained it. Nothing really weird or strange. I mean, I guess it could be, but we were fortunate enough that there's nothing weird or strange about the house. Mm-hmm. The title's good. Um, uh, everything's been permitted. Uh, we're not in any dangerous zones. Um, yeah, it was all very straightforward, uh, but we decided to do it in person so that we would actually have some guidance because there's been a few times when people threw a bunch of paperwork at us and just said, good luck, and we were like, go, what? <laughs> so we we kind of erred on the side of caution and, and went there and, and talked to this person. And the other thing we went to do in person was put in a uh, 3% deposit, which also had to do with escrow, because that goes to the escrow company. So 3% of the total selling price has to be put down within a certain number of days of the acceptance of your offer. And uh, I knew this going into the bank to set up this wire transfer that the the fact that I wasn't or that we aren't getting a loan at this bank, I knew they were just going to smell blood in the water as soon as I mentioned what I was doing there. And sure enough, they did, because guess what? They can wi- They can waive the wire transfer fee for nothing more than a simple cost of just or a simple call. Uh, to find out what your interest rate is. It's so like a timeshare situation when they lock you into a room and talk to you for hours. So uh, I sat there for a half an hour talking to the banker who was a very nice gentleman. Uh, We swapped stories and he was very attentive and kind. I had no clue what he was doing on his computer (laughs) because I felt like this should be like typing in the amount and the routing number. I have no clue. But he was typing the whole time. I mean, he had to type in all the information of the escrow company to send them the wire. But I was literally there for 30 minutes. 
And so when he was shaking me down for the the uh, wire transfer, I said, uh, yeah, you should call Laura. <laughs> Who happened to be in the shower at the time they tried to call me. Because you did this one by yourself. I was, I forget, I had a call or something. Right. So, uh, so then they, you know, the bank smells blood in the water. Here's this guy that's buying a house and he's not buying a house with us. You haven't even gotten mm. a quote from us? What were you thinking? Insane. So we must call you. And we just want to find out what the rate is. Just so we know what's going on out there. How did that call go? I never really heard. It was fine. I mean, she was friendly. She asked me what the rate was to see if she could beat it. She took all the information of the house and what we were given as a rate. Um, and she said, okay, well, let me j- just see what I can do. And she called back a half hour later. Sure enough, the rate was slightly better, but she couldn't do the same terms, which was a big part of why we got the house in the first place was that we could close really quickly. So very slightly better, not making a huge difference, better rate. But, you know, done deal because you're the whole name of the game right now, right here, is that you have to be able to have a quick, quick close because that's what the sellers are looking for. Do you know how lenders do that? Like how how can they guarantee that they're going to close in a certain amount of time and why? I think it has a lot to do with having the free cash to ante over to pay off the seller's old outstanding debts, basically. So they have to quickly avail the cash to be able to start plunking in your direction. Okay. I think that's the basis of it. And the big banks aren't always able to do that very quickly. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that was a that was a wire transfer fee f- wire transfer fee worth of one call <laughs> to tell somebody thanks but no thanks. Yeah. It is she, just so funny how she was nice though. Like this, it was it was the you know it wasn't as unpleasant as a lot of those kinds of salesy things are. That's it was good. Fine. The other thing we had to do this week—it's been a crazy week. The other thing we had to do was get uh, insurance, mm-hmm. and the only thing that's worth talking about with insurance is how mad you were on hold. We called about. one company that wasn't interested in talking to me, which turned me <laughs> off immediately. I don't understand how people in sales are going to put someone on hold for 15 minutes. That does not, that's not how it works. You should have more salespeople than anything else in your company, especially if when you're talking about insurance. It's all about sales. Mm-hmm. Insurance is like 90% sales and 10% Pay you know, paying off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, didn't have any patience for that. However... You called for a quote from the insurance company that you have your car insurance through. Mm-hmm. And this is what I wanted to mention is afterwards, how many calls have you received from oh various... Oh, my God. My phone won't stop ringing. Literally. Talk about blood in the water. Oh, unreal. We thought we were getting a lot of calls and emails from mortgage lenders once we started searching terms for mortgages. No, this is crazy. So what it it wasn't even just the call. I think I had what did I do? Did I Google something? Did I did I do like an online bid maybe? 
immediately my phone started ringing off the hook. There is one company that calls me five times a day beginning at 8 a.m. Since that happened, it's been four days now. I mean, unending. I wonder how that works. Emails. I'm getting like people that are just, here's your quote. Come talk to me. It's the amount of calling, though, is incessant. Do you think that they all have some kind of weird and uh, for lack of a better word, like spyware? So like when a a number calls another insurance company, it automatically goes onto a list or something. How does that work? I have no idea. I, I, I have literally no idea. And I think I'm trying to remember what I did online. Did I did I do like a get your bid here kind of thing? And then right. it goes out to every company under the sun. I don't yeah. think I did, but I don't remember. Well, that was also something that happened to ha- that had to happen very quickly. And also the lender sent a proof, a verification of employment form to my employer <laughs> And very kindly asked me to follow up on it and expedite it. Now, if this was a form that was sent to my boss, I would have no problem. And I could call them and they would be very excited for me and they would do whatever they can. The problem is my employer of record is a payroll company, which I don't think our lender understands. And so I, I, you know, both Laura There's and I. zero relationship, in other words. We, they don't No, know it's you, a payroll company. Don't know them. They're just a void that processes checks. Huge organization that pays probably hundreds of thousands, mm-hmm. if not millions of people that work in the entertainment industry all over the world. So the, um, the lender was like, hey, do me a solid real quick. Push this through. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Who did you send it to, first of all? And so multiple times we tried to tell them, hey, if there's another way to do this, if we can do this through the company I work for, I can help you a lot more. And really no response. Uh, So I did call this payroll company. I sat on hold for 30 plus minutes during my work day. Finally got through. They didn't really know what I was talking about. They sent me to another department. They're like, oh, yeah, you got to talk to the employment verification department. This place is so big, they have a department (laughs) that only deals with this one little issue. And so I call them only to find that they're dealing with 800 plus of these at any given time. And I'm a needle in the haystack. And they're like, how can I find it? I give them all kinds of information. Of course, they can't find it. I give them the lender's information. Nope, no good. And I'm like, you know what? This has been a nightmare from the beginning. I don't know why they're telling me to do this. Like technically, you know, I'm not working for them. I don't get it. I mean, I understand if it's, you know, something that you can manage as an employee, but this is not that situation. Anyway, they were like, yeah, there's no reason why you should be calling here. They should be doing this. (laughs) And I was like, great, thanks. So, uh, you know, respond with all that information to the lender, nothing back. And we asked, how else could we be helpful? Can we get verification from his direct employer? Who would that be? His boss, HR? Can you send us the form? They say, yeah, HR manager. No form attached. What are we supposed send to do? Send us with the that form. <laughs> Let me help you. Why are you making this so difficult? Also, screw yourself. Like, if this is your thing, you're the one that this said you could job. pull this off. Yeah. Go pull it off. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I'd love to help, but you're not helping me help you. 
finally she sends me the form and i send it off to our accountant and the accountant's like oh yeah the payroll company's gonna do nothing for you let me take care of it so that was just today i'm sure i'll hopefully get something tomorrow that was a big win uh well it's not done yet but yeah he's done it before um so it didn't seem like anybody was surprised by it because i'm not the first person at this company to purchase a house and this apparently this document comes up regularly so uh, that just brings us to something we don't need to belabor too much but just these woes with the lender the lender is just terrible at communication they're terrible at um you know when i talked about a big stack of papers with no direction that was them um you know these responses are very slow or you know not very helpful um it's just been i and maybe that's the way lenders are like maybe that's just the way they're supposed to be but i have been unimpressed with the customer service that goes into probably one of the biggest transactions i will ever have to you know be a part of i would think um really unsatisfactory kind of poor service if you ask me um so and i'm big on customer service always have been i really appreciate it i think people being professional is what keeps people coming back and i'm kind of surprised that these people are even have any kind of reputation doing this what do you think well so there's a couple of points there i think um I mean, the other thing we found, a lot of these forms and things we have to fill out are through an online system. That online system is you can't navigate built it. in 1982. It does not work. We have been locked out multiple times. Documents are never there when they're supposed to be. It's really wonky. It's really difficult. And you would think, I mean, this is a, this is a big banking institution name brand bank and i am shocked that this is what they're using right i mean that is insane i think on the person to person front the one thing that i will give them um our lead contact she is very responsive i mean i i text her she texts me right back i email her she's back to me quickly she calls me right back so they're she's responsive at the least but we know nothing about what we are doing and I right. think there's a lot that gets lost in translation and a lot of maybe handholding that we need. But I think that anybody would need when you're making a transaction of this level. Right. That seems to just not be part of the package. But they looked at all of our stuff and like part of the reason why we were able to be competitive was because they're like, oh yeah, with these people I can make this work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the sense of urgency, I would imagine, like they kind of put it out there, put themselves out there to say that they could pull this off in a short amount of time. You know, these other places were calling saying, oh yeah, I couldn't do those terms. Right. So, you know, for them to to just be so seemingly inefficient is surprising. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I mean, I literally, I don't know anything about it. All I know is just my experience. And I feel like maybe they do expect you to be an expert and I'm certainly not even close. This is the first time I've done any of this. I, I mean, I really can't imagine that many people know X from Y. Maybe most people in their forties have done this three times already. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think we're, we're doing it for our first time mm-hmm. at 40. Mm-hmm. 
How do you feel about that? It's long overdue, but you know, I don't, I certainly say I don't have any regrets, you know, about waiting this long to do this process. But at the same time, you know, sometimes I feel like maybe I should be a little more knowledgeable. And then the more I think about it, the more I, kind of glad that I'm not <laughs> more knowledgeable about this stuff because it is people. tedious. It's t- very tedious. Um, but, you know, and, and hopefully it'll be over soon. This is, this, like I said at the beginning, this was week one of the Horseshoe House. I think by this time next week, we're going to be pretty much locked into it. And then we're just going to be kind of moving our finances around and figuring out a way to make this work. And waiting out our escrow. Whatever that means. Is that a place? Is that a state of mind? Is that a bank account? We're not still sure. No, but there's time left until April Fool's Day. Yeah, our closing date is April Fool's Day. <laughs> so <laughs> appropriate. According to plan. So appropriate. So um, I guess that about wraps it up. I mean, this was a lot. Of, this was a really full week. I feel like there wasn't a whole lot of kind of jokey opportunities because there was just so much detail that went into this week. But that's the way it is. I mean, the starting pistol goes off and the rest of the week is just go, go, go. And certainly proved to be that. These days just fly right by. And it seems like things have been going our way and it seems like everything's coming in. The house did a praise. Right. That was big oh, news. Yes. Yeah. That, okay. And that is that was a big deal because that was the one contingency. We, no, we got rid of the appraisal contingency. Sorry. We did a little tricky thing, which we were advised to do, which is we waived our appraisal contingency, meaning if the house... Here's what happens. You say how much you're going to pay for the house. A third-party appraiser comes out to say how much they think the house is worth. If those numbers do not match, you are on the hook to make up the difference in the valuation in your down payment. Right. So if the house didn't match to the number that we said we were willing to pay. So if it's $100,000 off. We have to pay $100,000 right now. Right. The end. And if we are locked in at that point that that determination is paid. You got to come up with a hundred grand. And we do not have that (laughs) money. I don't, I mean, what, literally what happens? I don't even know what happens. I thought Even you could back out of escrow whenever you want, nope. but apparently you can only back nope. out during we the had contingency our 10 period. Days. So the one contingency we had in our contract was the inspection period of 10 days. And what we had to do was have the bank order a rush appraisal so that we would get the appraisal answer back within those 10 days. And we, if it didn't appraise to the amount we said we would be willing like sorry pay. we don't want to fix the fireplace exactly right. we had an out our inspections were the out but after that 10 days of the inspection close that's it there's no more out so if the appraisal came back with a problem for us right i still don't know what happens are you just bankrupt automatically i, yep. I yeah okay and then they take your house before you even buy buy it yep okay So we had some delays of the the rush appraisal, which was super rushed, was not happening as quickly as we had been led to believe. It it took several days to get scheduled. And then we were like, okay, it got scheduled, fine. Then when I actually, I had to ask, okay, so when will we hear the results? The answer back was uh, three or four days. 
and there's a weekend in there. And let's remember, none of the banking and appraiser people work on weekends. So that means we were well within the possibility of our contingency expiring before having this really important answer. Mm-hmm. But it appraised. But it did. Huzzah. So and we got fun. the answer in like a day. Yeah. So. It all works out. So I guess the bank did something right. I don't know. <laughs> it worked Thing, out. Things are generally working in our favor at this point, And now it's just getting our head around, you know, once this down payment money's gone, budgeting our way through, you know, this new mortgage payment. Um, and, you know, I think we can do it. It's just going to be a new kind of mindset, which is fine. And I think we're going to be spending a lot of time at the house, which is also fine. Um, so, the, you know, I think that's really the next thing is, is going to be talking about these improvements that we need to do, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, the escrow period is going on for a couple more weeks. I suppose anything can happen, but right now things are looking pretty good. And, you know, before long, we'll be doing a show about home ownership and yeah. not so much about house hunting. When do we feel like it's sure? Do you feel like it's sure yet? No, I mean, I'm pretty close to feeling sure, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's going to be sure till April 1st when we make our first mortgage payment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, <laughs> and the sellers live in our house right. for the next two months. Right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, anything else you want to talk about from this week? I don't think it's so. It's just been chock full of detail, yeah. but this is all important. It's you know, dense. this is the stuff that happens um, and it all happens very quickly. So it's been a learning experienced blow by blow. I mean, I would add that none of these things that were discussed during this podcast are anything I knew <laughs> previously. Or so from know. the last podcast to now, I have learned about all of this stuff. There was a much. reason no one talks about these things on the regular. And that is because <laughs> it is tedious. Yeah. It's a lot of details and they all have to happen quickly. Well, no one's listening to it, yeah, but perfect. maybe someday it'll help somebody out. <laughs> I wish so. I wish I could have listened to something like this, but you say that and until you actually do it. You know. yeah. So anyway, uh, I think we should wrap it up. And uh, unless you have anything else Mm -hmm. to hit on, we'll be back next week. Uh, The Horseshoe House may be one week closer to being ours, or it'll be a really great story if everything goes south for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we'll go ahead and sign off for now. Um, As always, this is our first time. We'll see you next time.